Hebrews chapter 11, a chapter known as the faith chapter. The heroes of faith. By faith. By faith, Abel. By faith, Enoch. By faith, Noah. By faith, Abraham. By faith, Sarah. By faith, Moses. By faith. They were all heroes of faith. Did great acts of faith. So what is this faith that they had? They did. When Jesus... I told the story, the parable of the persistent widow, the woman who kept asking and asking of the um, unrighteous judge for things. When he'd finished that story, he said, when the Son of Man returns, will he find faith on the earth? Will he? Wow. Our first introduction to this spiritual faith was set in South Africa where we lived at the time. Our daughter was two years old, little Candy, and she got sick. In fact, she was quite unwell, very high temperature, and I know you mothers and you get concerned when your children at that age are unwell. Panadol and the like didn't do anything for her. She had a fever, she was really unwell. And we tried to get the doctor, but we couldn't get the doctor because in those days we didn't have mobile phones. But there was a beeper system. And the beeper was that you, you sort of beeped in this message and he would get it on like a little ticker tape sitting on a thing on there. And then he would eventually phone. But when would it be? And it was a Sunday and we didn't know what was happening. But our brother-in-law and uh, sister-in-law, Annette's sister, uh, they just got born again. Funny people, born again. I mean, we were, we were lapsed Anglicans, but they got born again. And they said, all right, well, we're coming over for lunch in any case, but what we'll do is we'll pray over Candy, lay hands on her, and she'll be fine. Okay, but we still want the doctor. Because we didn't know about these things. Anyway, they came over, and they did just as they said, and they, they prayed over, laid hands on her. And then the beeper beeped and uh, the phone rang and it was Dr. Alderton. And he said, I'll meet you at the surgery, but I've, uh, I've just finished church now and I'll meet you there. So we shot off, left uh, our little boy Paul with uh, Ray and Diane. And off to the doctor's surgery, we went and we met him. He did a thorough examination from top to tail, inside and out, looked at her and he said, there's nothing wrong with this child. She's 100% well. So we said, hi, but you know, Diane and Ray came over and they prayed for her and laid hands on her. He said, praise God. I thought that's a funny thing for a doctor to say, praise God, but never mind. And she was. She's still well. And she's still serving the Lord. Praise God. So, time passed by. We subsequently gave our lives to the Lord. And uh, as we moved on with the Lord, we started to ask uh, other people, what is faith? Um, often the churchy ones would come up with the answer from Hebrews 11 verse 1 in the 
King James Version in those days, but we were just transitioning to the new King James Version. Whew, we were really up to date, we were. And it says, now faith is the substance of things hoped for, the evidence of things not seen. Now that's a bit hard to, to get in you, isn't it? So today we've got the more modern translations. And I've chosen and asked for the New Living Translation, and it reads as follows. Hebrews 11.1, 1, New Living. What is faith? It is the confident assurance that what we hope for is going to happen. It is the evidence of things we cannot yet see. That's the key. We cannot yet see them. We can't see these things, yet it is there. We're convinced of it. So faith is more than saying, oh, well, I believe. It's having such a confidence in what we do declare and what we say. We've got that confidence that we're willing to put action to it. Praise God. So I want to look at four things this morning. And the first thing is the nature of faith. Then the second would be the nature of man. The third would be head faith and heart faith. And I'm going to read you a story at the end if you're very good. <laughs> Uncle Peter to read a story. So where does this faith start? Well, it starts when we believe that God created the universe. It believes we, we weren't there. No one was there. But he, God told his people, they wrote it down, and God created in this manner. He, by faith, spoke, and it was. He said, let there be light, and there was light. Let there be this, and so it was. But when he came to the making of man, the Bible then brings in the Trinity. And God says, let us... Make man in our own image. And you know the creation story. He took the dust of the earth. He shaped and he formed that thing into something looking like Hayden. And uh, breathed his life into that thing. Breathed his nesama, not ruach. That's the God kind of life. He breathed the God kind of life into that thing. And that thing became a living being, a man. But then, as we know, when he made the woman, he took the rib. He took the rib of, uh, of Adam, not our pastor. And the word used there in the, in the Hebrew is as a master craftsman. He carefully molded the woman. And that's why the girls look different than the boys. Have you noticed? Well, as I said earlier, some are too young to know what I'm talking about. Others are too old to care. <laughs> so what is the importance of this faith walk? Ask you a question. Who wants to please God? Yeah. Mm, did better than the first service. Again, who wants to please God? Yeah. Amen. How do we please God? I'm sure we please God as we've worshipped him now. I'm sure we please God when we're obedient to him. I'm sure we please God when we demonstrate his love. But there's one thing we know. The word of God says, without faith, it is impossible to please him. Just as sin displeases him, faith pleases him. Can you say amen? amen. 
You see, we live by faith. The Word of God says in four places, Habakkuk, Galatians, Romans, and Hebrews, thank you to the Bible students on the front row, the just shall live by faith. Praise God. What is this faith? You see, Jesus, when he died on the cross, made the way open for us to enter boldly into the throne of grace so that we may obtain mercy and find grace to help us in our time of need. But we have to step over into the sanctuary. Jesus, when he died on the cross, provided a way, a means of salvation for us. But we, by faith, have to receive that gift from God. For as many as received him, to them he gave the right to become children of God. But it's all by faith that these things take place. Can you say amen? amen? If we don't please God, we're missing the very purpose of our creation. He is pleased when we act in faith. When we act in faith, we bring glory to his name. Hebrews 11 verse 6 from the New King James this time. But without faith, it's impossible to please him. For he who comes to God must believe that he is, and he is a rewarder of those who diligently seek him. We must believe that he is. He is what? He is what his word says he is. You want to know about God, you want to know God, look in his word. Then you'll find out the character and the attributes of God. You won't find him by looking elsewhere. God has revealed himself, his whole nature, in his word. And not only that, he is a rewarder of those who diligently seek him. There's a piece of good advice. Seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness and all these things that we have need of will be given to us. We don't have to be worried about what we're wearing. We don't have to be worried about what we're eating. Seek first. He knows more than we do. He knows what we need before we even ask him. But seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness. Then we will be in right standing with the almighty God. So we've had a quick look at the nature of faith. Now we want to get to the heart of the matter. And we're going to look at the nature of man. Proverbs 3 verse 5. Trust in the Lord with all your heart, not part of your heart, not half-hearted, not a bit of your heart, but all of your heart. And lean not to your own understanding. And then it goes on. In all your ways, what? Acknowledge him. And then what? He will direct your paths. Therein is faith. In that very simple Proverbs 3 verse 5. And I'll come back to that in a moment or two. Going to do a little bit of anthropology this morning for you students who know these things. Are you ready? Here's the anthropology bit. Genesis, as we've heard, said that God created man in his own image. Let us make man in our own image, said God in Genesis. In John's Gospel, John chapter 4 in fact, 
it says God is spirit. Those who worship him must worship him in spirit and in truth. So we bring the two scriptures together. We see that God, who created man in his own image, is spirit. Therefore, if we are created in the image of God, then we are spirit beings. So there's more to us than meets the eye. It's not what you see is what you get. There's more in some people than there is in others. But never mind about that. <laughs> so the Bible gives a different word for uh, this, this man, this creature. You can see, in fact, that man is referred to as flesh, as body. Sometimes we talk about heart. Then we talk about spirit and soul. And I will pick that thought up in a moment. The spirit and the soul of man. But simply to boil it all down, to make it easier. The body is the part of man that deals with the physical realm. It's our earth suit. We couldn't be here on earth if we didn't have a body. Just as man goes to space suit. Dan's with me. Yeah. Otherwise, we'd be just floating around. This body is our right to be here on earth. We should look after these bodies because they're the temple of the Holy Spirit. Yeah? But the soul is the part of man that deals with the uh, mental realm. And the spirit is the part of man that deals with the spiritual realm. And that is the simplicity of the anthropology of man. But I want to get to the heart of the matter. As for me, Peter, and I've studied this for a number of years, to me, the heart is where the spirit and the soul come together. Because the word of God says in Hebrews 4 verse 12, the word of God is sharp and powerful, more sharper than any two-edged sword, dividing asunder between joint and marrow, spirit and soul, and is a discerner of the heart. It's this word of God that can really tell what's going on in the heart. When we, look, when we measure ourselves against the word of God, we look into the, that mirror, then we know what's inside here. How's this heart comparing to the word? Ooh. Oy. Moving away from there, Pete. Yes. So Bible faith, spiritual faith, is of the heart and not of the head. Let's look at Mark 11:23, which is one of the great scriptures concerning faith. For assuredly, I say to you, to whoever says to this mountain, be removed, cast into the sea, not, doubt, not doubting in his heart, does not doubt in his heart, but believes that those things he says will be done, he will have whatever he says. So they're right in the hey diddle diddle, right in the middle. It says, does not doubt, but believes in his heart. And that's how it is for salvation. We believe in our heart that God raised Jesus from the dead. We confess with our mouth that Jesus is Lord. With the heart, man believes to righteousness. With the mouth, confession is made to salvation. That's that. But we take it by faith. So what is the heart of of man. And it's interesting because Hayden was leading the mentoring men for the 
master, what a mouthful group. We're talking about three M's, we've got four there. And the scripture that we had last week was, let the words of my mouth and the meditation of my heart be acceptable, be pleasing to you, O Lord. See, I remembered it. Got the memory verse, I got it. The meditation of my heart. What's meditation? To mull something over, to think it over. Like a cow does its cud, it chews it over, chews it over. What is your word saying to me, Lord? That's the meditation of the heart, not the head. So the heart, what is the heart of man? Well, it's certainly not the physical pump that's pumping the blood round, going boom, diddy, boom, diddy, boom, boom. can't believe with your physical heart. You can't believe with your physical heart any more than you could believe with your physical liver or your physical lungs or your big toe. Oh Lord, I believe with my big toe that this is going to happen. You can't. It's impossible. So it's with the heart. So what is this heart? 1 Peter 3 verse 4 tells us. Rather, let it be the hidden person of the heart. The hidden person is the hidden man of the heart. It's hidden, this person. You can't see with the physical eyes. You can't touch. You can't necessarily hear. And you certainly cannot smell. If you've lived in, Sm in Spain, you can smell a few strange garlicky smells. But, but it's the inward man. Is a spiritual man. In fact, he should be an action man. In 2 Corinthians 4.16, the word says this. Therefore, we do not lose heart, even though the outward man, or outward man is perishing. Yet the inward man is being renewed day by day. And I shared this earlier. There were some of the bodybuilders there. There was Hayden, and there was Justin, and we've still got Shane here. Thomas, where are you? Thomas is he gives a double bicep, Thomas. <laughs> now if these guys do a workout, the more they work out, the more exhausted they become, until in the end they flop out. But the inner man is being renewed. And no matter how much you tr use the spiritual man, the inner man is renewed day by day by day. And it grows stronger by use. Praise God. Wigglesworth said this. He said, I'm a thousand times bigger on the inside than I am on the outer. Wow. Spiritual man is inner man. See, great things will happen to us when we start to begin to say, I believe in my heart, Lord, for your provision, for your deliverance, for all those things that I need from you, whatever they may be. Healing even. The head might be saying, it's not so, it's not snow. Can't be, can't be. The heart says, yes, I believe. Yeah. We all have troubles with our heads, or is it just me? So, uh, Nitty agreed with me. <laughs> Trust in the Lord with all your heart. Lean not to your own understanding. In all your ways. In all your ways. So we need to start to think and believe along the lines of 
It's not of the head. It's not of the body. It's of the heart. So we've looked at the nature of faith. We've looked at the nature of man. And I now want to do a brief comparison of head faith and heart faith. And I'm going to share with you the scripture in John chapter 20, verses 24 to 29. And the word reads thus. Now Thomas called the twin, one of the twelve, was not with them when Jesus came. The other disciples therefore said to him, We have seen the Lord. So he said to them, Unless I see his hands and the print of the nails, and put my fingers into the print of the nails, and put my hand into his side, I will not believe. After eight days his disciples were again inside, and Thomas with them. Jesus came, and the doors being shut, and stood in the midst, and said, Peace be to you. Then he said to Thomas, Reach your finger here, and look at my hands, and reach your hand here, and put it into my side. Do not be unbelieving, but believing. And Thomas answered and said to him, My Lord and my God. And Jesus said to him, Thomas, because you have seen me, you have believed. Blessed are those who have not seen, yet believed. Interesting account that is. Also interesting that, that when Jesus appeared the second time, Thomas didn't say, let me see the print in your hands. Let me see the spear mark in your side. He just said, my Lord and my God. But this was the time, the setting was after the resurrection. The Lord had been raised from the dead. He was appearing to his disciples. The problem today is that too many Christians have got Thomas faith. Thomas faith is on the basis of, I'll believe it when I see it. Can I put you to a naughty test? How many believe you're sitting on those seats? Show me a hand. Uh -uh. Victor's played before he knows. You don't believe. You know you're sitting on those seats. Do you believe those seats will hold you up? Yeah, I believe that. That's the difference between believing and knowing. It's the evidence of things we do not yet see. So why did Thomas find it hard to believe that Jesus was raised from the dead? Because he was going with what his head told him. His head said it can't be so. Until I see the prints, until I see the marks, I won't believe. His head was saying it can't be, it can't be. He was using his head knowledge rather than heart faith because T wants to see, you see. But Abraham was different, a different kettle of fish altogether, years and years before. And in Romans chapter 4, verses 17 to 21, As it is written, I have made the father of many nations in the presence of him who he believed. God, who gives life to the dead and calls those things which do not exist as if they did. You can just pause there for a moment. Who calls those things that do not as do not exist as if they did. Be not as though they were, it said in the old King James Version. He can speak into existence things that aren't yet and will be. That's what he did with the earth. He said, let there be light. There wasn't light. He spoke it and there it was. Let us make man. There was no man and he did. He spoke it and then there was. 
I carry on. I just interrupted myself there for that little bit. Who contrary to hope. And I've mentioned that word about hope before, haven't I? Hope, biblical hope. Hope is not just a hoping and a praying. How many here are hoping and a praying? I hope you're not. Should be some faith in there. But biblical hope is not the same as I hope. I hope Manchester City win tomorrow. Well, I really do hope they win. But you hope biblical hope includes an expectation as well as a desire. Like when I go fishing. I hope to catch. I desire to catch, but sometimes I don't have great expectations. And my name's not Charles Dickens either. Anyway, and the father of many nations. He says he believed so that he became the father of many nations. Those nations didn't exist at the time, but Abraham believed they did. According to what was spoken, so shall your descendants be. And not being weak in faith, he did not consider his own body already dead since he was about a hundred years old. And the deadness of Sarah's womb. He did not waver at the promise of God through unbelief, but was strengthened in faith, giving glory to God and being fully convinced that what he had promised, he was also able to perform. God spoke it, Abraham believed it, and there it was. Praise God. I have made you the father of many nations. Past tense. Abraham in his natural body, he didn't have the ability now to produce one more child. Didn't have it. But God says, I made you the father, not only of a child, but of many nations. He took him outside and he says, look at the stars. That's how many you're going to have. Look at the sand. Can you count the number of grains? You can't. That's how many you're going to have. Abraham believed God. Praise God. Against all challenges. Romans 4.20 Believe God's word, not what he could see. He didn't consider his own body. Didn't consider his natural senses. So if he didn't consider those things, what did he consider? He considered what the word of God said. And God has said, if you want to know what God has said, look in his word. You want to know the promises, look in his word. I have made you. And Abraham was strengthened, even strengthened with the challenge. So that ten years later he got what God has said. A little boy by the name of Isaac. Praise God. That was faith. He got the, you will have what you say, of Mark eleven twenty four, And the bonus, verse 22, it was credited to him for righteousness. It was accounted to him for righteous. When did Abraham become righteous? When he believed God. When do we become righteous? When we receive Jesus Christ as Lord and Savior. Then we can say, I am the righteousness of God in Christ. I don't have any of my own righteousness, but because I am in Him, all things are possible. So, we've seen the nature of faith, we've seen the nature of man, we've looked at head faith, and we've looked at heart faith. And we can increase that faith. We can increase it by exercising it. Just as we exercise our physical bodies for the bodies to grow, so we can increase our faith as we put it into practice. 
We can increase our faith as we feed on the word of God. Just as our bodies need feeding, just as Hayden and the guys need the proteins to build the muscle, we need the protein of the word of God to build our spiritual muscle. Oh, that's good, Pete. Thank you very much. I love that one. I'm going to finish with a story also set in Africa, and if you chaps are going to play, play very gently for me. The story is set in Swaziland. It's a landlocked uh, part of southern Africa, written by a man who I knew particularly well, Peter Pretorius. He was an evangelist who led, I read it the other day, 13 million people to salvation since 1983. Mass evangelism is something different in Africa. Thousands come. They're like a, a Reinhard Bonker, Billy Graham crusade all the time. Fantastic to see, to be part of. Great honor and a privilege on my part and Annette's to be there. Now, Peter had set up a feeding scheme in Mozambique because Mozambique had gone through drought and the people were poor. There was a problem getting uh, foods. And he'd come up with a, a food concept of putting together soya flour, milk powder, and maize powder. Just add water, instant meal, power-packed protein, carbohydrates. And he had a feeding scheme. And because of that, he was allowed to preach. But the problem was the government didn't like too much of the preaching. They liked the feeding, but not the preaching. So he moved base, and this is where the story picks up. Largely because we could not preach the gospel in Mozambique, we decided to hold meetings in the neighboring country of Swaziland. I didn't realize it, but God was using a difficult situation in Mozambique to widen our perspective to include all of Africa. It truly was a case of seeing all things work together for good. Romans 8:28. We set up our large tent in an area called Big Bend, and it was there that I witnessed one of the greatest miracles I had ever seen. Every night when I invited those who needed prayer to come forward, a young mother came leading a little boy by the hand. He seemed to be about eight years old, and I could tell by the way he walked, he could not see. I found out later that the boy had been born blind. Not only had he never seen his mother's face, but he could, but he could not even distinguish light from darkness. For 13 nights, take note of that, for 13 nights, his mother brought, this mother brought her young son for prayer, and every night she went away disappointed. I knew she was devastated. I too wanted so badly to see this child healed, but it hadn't happened. What made it worse was the knowledge that this child's condition meant that he'd almost got no hope of a decent future. In poor African countries, it can be difficult for able-bodied person to build a decent life. For someone who is blind or crippled, it's almost impossible. Unless God restored his vision, the child would likely become a beggar someday, depending on the generosity of others, and perhaps dying at an early age. It broke my heart to think about it. On the 14th and final night of our outreach, as I did every night, I invited those who wanted prayer to come forward. I noticed the mother moving slowly down the aisle, 
clutching her son to her chest, tears running down her cheeks. I knew why she was crying. This was the last meeting she'd come to out faithfully every night, trusting God for a miracle, and nothing had happened. This was her last chance to see her son healed. I felt great compassion for her and sensed how Jesus' heart ached for her. I walked over to her, reached out, gently opened the boy's eyelids to get a better look at the problem. My heart caught in my throat. Where his eyes should have been, there was nothing but white, bubbly blisters. There was no sign of a pupil or a cornea. I tried not to reveal my shock, but my mind was reeling. God, how can I pray for this child when I... How can I pray for this child to see when he doesn't even have eyes? We need a creative miracle. At that moment, the words of Jesus echo through my mind. If you ask anything in my name, I will do it. I placed my fingers on the child's eyelids and prayed a simple prayer. Jesus, in your name, please give this child new eyes. I knew immediately that he was healed as he looked at me with two beautiful big brown eyes. A smile of delight spread across his little face. He gazed up at his mother with an expression of absolute joy and whispered, Mummy, you're so beautiful. The woman hugged her son tight to her chest and sobbed deep heartfelt tears of joy. And I wept right along with her. What a wonderful moment. I'm going to just lead you in a prayer of faith confession. I'd ask you to repeat after me. I'm not moved by what I see. I'm not moved by what I feel. I'm moved only by what I believe. And I believe the Word of God. Thank you, Lord. My prayer for you, this is my prayer for you. Father, I pray that you would increase all our faith to the point where we can truly reach out and trust you to receive that healing, that miracle, to have that need met. Today is the day that I re put my request before the throne of grace, before the Almighty God, knowing that you are faithful. Thank you, Lord. In Jesus' name, praise God. Amen. All righty. Hey, did you guys enjoy that word? One more time, can we thank Uncle Peter? What a great word. What a great, great word. And I love what he said. He said, because of what happened on the cross, we're given a saviour. And it is by faith that we receive that free gift. Can I get every head bowed and every eye closed in this place? I have a question for you. And this morning, it is this. Is Jesus your Lord and saviour? Is Jesus your Lord and Saviour? And if your answer to that is no, then my follow-on question is this. Today, will you make this day the moment where you accept Jesus as your Lord and Saviour? And on the 
count of three, I'm going to ask you to put up your hand. And as you're putting up your hand, what you're saying is this. Jesus, you are my Lord and Saviour. I choose to respond by faith for what happened on the cross. And you're accepting Jesus as your Lord and Saviour. I want to say that uh, myself and many others here at this service today have made a commitment to Jesus saying yes. And I want to ask you, will you join us? If that is you, on the count of three, put your hand nice and high. One, Jesus loves you. Two, this will be the greatest decision you'll ever make. Three, if you want to respond to Jesus this morning, would you put your hand nice and high so I know who I'm praying for? Thank you. Down the back, thank you to the left here. Fantastic. This is a day of salvation. Come on, let's pray as a family. Would you guys repeat after me? Lord, thank you for who you are. We thank you for Jesus. We thank you for the cross. We thank you for the free gift. Today I receive that. I confess with my mouth that you are Lord of my life. Help me to turn away from sin and follow in all of your ways. Lead me and guide me in Jesus' name. And all God's people said, Church, can we make some noise for the people that responded this morning?